Hello, hello. This is Katavani welcoming you back to this episode of Ramayana, episode 14, Ayodhya Kanda, Queen Kaikeyi. In the last episode, we left King Dasharatha overseeing the activities for the expedited coronation of Prince Rama as Yuvaraj or Crown Prince. Sages Vasishta, Vamadeva and Dasharatha's chief minister Sumantra directed the arrangements for the coronation. The people in the palace and in all of Ayodhya were actively engaged in the preparations for the ceremonies and festivities planned for the next day. Queen Kausalya was engaged in charitable acts prescribed by scriptures, distributing milch cattle, grains, gold to brahmanas and people of Ayodhya, seeking their blessings and wishes for her son's successful coronation. Rama and Sita with calm composure and clear minds, carried out the rites prescribed by sage Vasishta and King Dasharatha, getting themselves religiously and spiritually ready for Rama's coronation the next morning. A great assembly of leaders of men, tradesmen, chiefs of towns and villages, military leaders and advisers, kings, had gathered in Ayodhya. People from towns and villages nearby were flocking to Ayodhya for the coronation. In the midst of these preparations, there was one old lady, Mantra, who was surprised by the sudden happiness in the streets of Ayodhya. Mantra had accompanied Queen Kaikeyi from Kekaya when Kaikeyi came to Ayodhya as a young bride many decades ago. Mantra was a loyal servant devoted to the kind, gentle and youthful Kaikeyi. She walked to the open terrace of Kaikeyi's palace along with the other maids of the palace. Looking down at the festive Ayodhya, she asked the reason for the sudden enthusiasm and festive preparations. She wondered why Queen Kausalya, usually quite thrifty, was generously giving away her wealth. The maid joyously announced the impending coronation of Prince Rama. Mantra was shocked and furious to learn this, especially since Bharata was away. She rushed to see her Queen Kaiki. Queen Kaikeyi, the youngest of the three queens, was surprised by her maid Mantra's angry appearance and words of caution about how King Dasharada beguiled her with charming words, though he always acted to the benefit of Kausalya. Kaikeyi considered Mantra to be ill and delirious. On eventually discovering Rama was going to be crowned Yuvaraj, heir to the throne, Kaikeyi was genuinely delighted and gifted Mantra her pearl necklace for bringing her the happiest news. Kaikeyi, like the other queens, loved all their sons equally. She made no distinction between Rama and her own birth son Bharata and said so to Mantra. The brothers were indeed so close that she saw no enmity or threat that would result from the consecration of one instead of others. She consoled Mantra that after Rama, Bharata would be king. She promised Mantra another gift of her choice to assuage her needless fears. Mantra instead threw away the necklace Kaikeyi had just gifted her and lamented in rage about Kaikeyi's naivety, innocence and ignorance. She informed Kaikeyi that after Rama, his son would be king and the line would pass on without Bharata ever sitting on the throne. She tried to persuade Kaikeyi that once Bharata, who was born to inherit the throne, lost it to Rama, 
Bharata, his wife Mandavi, and his mother Kaikehi would become Kausalya and Rama's slaves. Kaikehi was quite com- young compared to the very old and elderly King Dashratha. The king of Kekaya many decades ago had agreed to the princess Kaikeyi marrying Dashratha based on the understanding that Kaikeyi's son would be king after Dashratha. At that time, Dashratha's queens Kausalya and Sumitra had not conceived any children and Dashratha wanted to marry Kaikeyi smitten by her youth and beauty as well as to beget a worthy heir to the throne. Now, that Rama's coronation was quickly announced in Bharata's absence, Mantra suspected a plot intended to break Dasarata's promise to her old master, the old king of Kekaya. Queen Kaikeyi, meanwhile, was oblivious to these corrupt speculations. She loved her husband, King Dasharata. She knew Dasharata preferred her to his other queens and she always encouraged Dasharata to stay away from them since she loved him and they were happy together. She adored her four sons. To her, it made sense that Rama, the eldest of the four brothers and the son of the first queen, would be king. She believed Rama preferred her to Kausalya and that Rama being king was just the same to her and Bharata as Bharata being king. Mantra, meanwhile, with everything to lose if Kaikeyi and her son lost favor with King Dasharatha, exercised her freedom to speak her mind, finding courage in her loyalty and many years of association with Kaikeyi. She reprimanded Kaikeyi for being blind to the corrupt intent of Kausalya, who she said had poisoned Dasharatha's mind. She urged Kaikeyi to be interested in the welfare of her own son, Prince Bharata, who would be murdered as soon as he crossed the border into Koshala. She urged Kaikeyi to send word to Bharata to not return home to Ayodhya for fear of his life. Kaikeyi initially did not believe these suspicions. She teased Mantra, reminding her of Rama's gentle ways. Mantra persisted in drawing attention to critical circumstances. Kaikeyi, for one, had not been informed about the king's decision. The coronation was happening too quickly. Bharata, Rama's equal in all ways, was in his maternal uncle's kingdom, unable to prove he was worthy of being king. Kaikeyi, Bharata and their allies in Kekaya and Videha had been intentionally kept in the dark. Mantra continued reasoning with Kaikeyi, appealing to her protective instincts as well as her feelings of jealousy. Weren't Kausalya and Sumitra closer allies? Did it ever seem like Dasharatha or the other queens trusted Kaikeyi? If Dasharatha respected her, Kaikeyi, wouldn't he have consulted her about these important decisions? Mantra argued that Bharata was strong and courageous, descendant of illustrious emperors on both the paternal and maternal side and was born to be king and was more qualified than Rama to be crown prince. He'd be cheated out of his birthright only because of his absence and the negligence of the elders who should have advocated in his interests. Mantra lied how Dasharatha and Kaikeyi would always be outsiders in Ayodhya and Koshala kingdom. 
even though they had strong allies in Kekaya and Videha. Mantra said after Rama became king, he would be foolish to not remove the threat of Bharata and his allies who would fight for Bharata's rightful inheritance. Mantra mused aloud about what would become of them all after Rama became king. Would they, Kaikeyi's kinsmen, be cast out alive or executed by the orders of the two older queens of Ayodhya or become slaves to Rama and the queen's households? Mantra distrusted people. She'd never been respected and had lived a tough life depending on Kaikeyi's benevolence. She didn't believe in the goodness of people. She suspected corrupt intent and trickery behind kind actions. Her convictions helped her poison Kaikeyi's unguarded mind. By weaving truth with lies and appealing to Kaikeyi's humility and maternal instincts, Mantra was finally able to persuade Kaikeyi that Rama becoming king was a grave and imminent danger to Bharata's life and future prospects. Kaikeyi was distraught, her mind adrift. She was blinded by love for her son, rage regarding the non-existent conspiracy to kill him. She grieved that her misplaced love for her husband had blinded her from seeing the reality that lay in front of her eyes. She was a strong, energetic queen, and she resolved to do everything in her power to save Bharata's life and advocate for Bharata's claim on the throne. Kaikeyi was reassured that Mantra, her loyal aide, had her interest and Bharata's interest in her heart and in her actions. She was persuaded that Mantra didn't seek personal fortunes or glory since she only insisted that Kaikeyi look out for Bharata's affairs in his absence. Now Kaikeyi looked to Mantra for guidance as the only person in all of Ayodhya who cared for her interests. The beautiful, kind Kaikeyi, who delighted the king with her enthusiasm, innocence and affection, who was indeed Dashrata's favorite queen, quickly turned against him and the other queens and their sons. While the king was busy making plans for Rama's coronation, eagerly waiting to share his excitement in person with Kaikeyi, who he believed would rejoice with him, she was actively conspiring to thwart his plans. Mantra repeatedly cautioned Kaikeyi to be unwavering in the face of the king's beguiling words and charm. She warned Kaikeyi about the enthusiasm and love of Ayodhya's people for Rama and that they may improperly protest against Bharata as long as Rama remained in Ayodhya. Kaikeyi agreed with Mantra that Bharata had to be made king. Rama had to be exiled, banished from the kingdom of Koshala, for the safety and success of Bharata's reign. Now Mantra urged Kaikeyi to be steadfast in her resolve. She told Kaikeyi, just as it would be too late to build dikes after the river is in spate, it would be too late to change the king's mind if she didn't act quickly and firmly before the next day's coronation ceremonies. She reminded Kaikeyi about the battle from a long time ago when Kaikeyi had saved Dasharatha's life by driving away his chariot when he lay unconscious after being attacked by his enemies. A grateful Dasharatha then 
impressed by her strength, courage, and skills during the chariot in the battlefield, had granted Kaikeyi two boons that he would fulfill. Kaikeyi, who had been blissfully married to this king, who left no desire of hers unfulfilled, had forgotten this incident. She now remembered how her actions had not only saved King Dasharatha's life, but also the Ishwaku dynasty from dying out. Dasharatha at that time had no heirs, and the Koshala kingdom in Ayodhya would have been without a king, open to assault by enemies and allies, if she hadn't saved Dasharatha's life then. Mantra now coached Kaikeyi to remind the king about these boons and then seek her two wishes. It was renowned that the Ishwaku clan believed their word, Satya, to be paramount. Kaikeyi, hearing Mantra's advice, was impressed by her intellect and judgment. She praised Mantra, promised to reward her with riches, status and service, and she thanked her own stars for being blessed with a worthy and wise companion like Mantra. Kaikeyi now felt confident that the king would never break his promise and that reminding him about the two boons and the circumstances in the battlefield would settle the matter in her favor. Mantra told Kaikeyi to set up a dramatic scene to shake the king's resolve before seeking her wishes. Kaikeyi followed Mantra's instructions. She undid her stylish hairdo, cast away her jewelry and silk, appeared bedraggled, disturbed the order in her chamber, stripped the floor rugs and lay on the bare floor, surrounded by disorder like a woman bereaved. Thus, Queen Kaikeyi, from a great dynasty, strong, naive and affectionate, associated with the corrupt, angry, in manipulative mantra and lost control of her own mind. She now believed that the king who loved, trusted and cherished her was the foe. She considered the conniving mantra to be a great intellect, a mentor and confidant and allowed her irrational fears and inappropriate rage to guide her own decisions and actions. In this way, Kaikeyi, the princess of Kekaya, queen of Ayodhya, drifted away from her dharma, upbringing in superior position, and opened the door to evil influence. As the queen mother, instead of being engaged in charitable acts, joyous preparations on the eve of the royal coronation, she lay on the bare floor of her palatial chambers, isolated and angry, dressed unbecomingly, in genuine distress and anguish, afraid, needlessly for her son's life and future, awaiting the king's arrival, scheming to overturn all his decisions. Meanwhile, this king, Dasharatha, satisfied with the pace of activities and proceedings and pleased that his directions for the coronation the next day were being smoothly executed, decided to return to the palace. After an eventful day, the indefatigable Dasharatha yearned for the quiet comfort of spending time in Queen Kaikeyi's company. He wanted to relive the day's activities and share his immense joy that Rama would be Yuvaraj the next morning. He knew Kaikeyi would share in his boundless happiness and he couldn't wait to be with her.
he entered her beautiful apartment, which was furnished with comfortable seats, private alcoves secluded by creepers, fragrance of flowers in the air, seats tastefully placed all around filled with sounds of musical instruments, birds singing, the relaxing atmosphere of peacocks, cranes and swans wandering in the close proximity of the gardens and ponds. He saw the numerous attendants and caretakers busily moving around. He didn't see Kaikeyi. King Dasharatha was surprised that Queen Kaikeyi was not waiting in the front chambers to receive him as she usually did. Asking an attendant about her whereabouts, he was told that the aggrieved queen had angrily retired to her inner chambers. Dasharatha, dejected and with misgivings, entered the chamber which showed, which showed all the signs of her uncontrolled wrath. The king was agitated to see Kaikeyi lying on the bare floor, her hair, face and clothes in disarray. He sat down next to her and gently and lovingly caressed her head, hair and shoulders, inquiring what caused her displeasure. Kaikeyi remained silent, shedding quiet tears. The king was terrified and he passionately pled for details so he could make it right. If she was ill, he'd send for the best physicians in the kingdom who could cure any ailment. If someone caused her displeasure, he'd correct it right away. Dasharatha was ready to do what was necessary to please her. For her, he would make a poor man rich, a rich man poor, a free man in prison, and a criminal free. Dasharatha, the mighty king, earnestly laid his entire kingdom, wealth and kinsmen at her disposal to grant favors or destroy what caused her pain. He begged her to speak, to inform him what ailed her so he could remove it. He'd never in their entire married life seen her like this. He pledged his life and that of his sons to make her happy. Kaikeyi waited quietly until she was assured that the king was deeply agitated, anguished and ready to sanction her demands. Then, allowing him to help her sit up, she composed herself to speak of her wishes to the king. Kaikeyi told Dashrata that she was well and no one caused her pain. She told him that she had favours to ask that only he could grant. She hooked him further by telling him that if he intended to fulfil her desires, he had to give her his word before she would reveal her wishes. Dasharatha brightened immediately hearing her speak and said, there exists no woman more dearer to me than you and no man more dearer than Rama. I swear to you on Rama's name, without, without whom I won't exist for a moment, that I will fulfill your wishes even at the expense of my life. He reminded her that his heart beat for her happiness and encouraged her to express her, express her wishes right away. Kaikeyi was pleased and delighted to hear Dasharatha's eager promise. She called the sun, moon, earth, space, fire, water, the Gandharvas and Rakshasas, night and day, spirits of all beings, and all the gods and deities of all the families and noble houses to bear witness to the virtuous King Dasharatha, who, with a sound mind, promised to fulfill her wishes. She addressed Dasharatha, who was fully captivated by these dramatic turn of events, 
and reminded him about the incident a long time ago when she saved his life after all his forces were routed by the enemy. She recollected that he had granted her two boons to be fulfilled in due time and that the time had now come for him to grant these two wishes. She continued, Listen to my words, great king. The preparations for the coronation ceremony for Rama are already underway. I want you to use those preparations and materials tomorrow to crown Bharata as Yuvaraj, heir to the throne. That's my first wish. For the second boon, I earn by placing you in the battlefield. Let Rama live for 14 years like an ascetic with matted hair in the Dandakaranya forest. Kaikeyi asserted to Dashrata that these wishes were already granted and just needed to be acted on now. Rama, she said, could leave that day to Dandakaranya the Dandaka forest, so that Bharata could rule without any rivals. She appealed to Dasharatha to be true to his vows, to protect his reputation, the Ishwaku lineage and the Kshatriya tradition. She cautioned him that if he were to break his promise, she'd end her life. The mighty king Dasharatha, sitting on the bare floor, heard Kaikeyi's dreadful words, dumbstruck and stunned. He tried to compose himself, wondering if this was a dream, a hallucination, a premonition of impending evil, or a mental ailment. Kaikeyi, who'd been delighted to hear the news of Rama's coronation just a few hours ago, was now firm in her objective to derail Rama's coronation at any cost. She offered no comfort to soothe her husband, Dasharatha's distress. In the next episode, we will see how Dasharatha handles this unexpected turn of events. Thank you for listening. Ram Ram.